Welcome to Hunters and Unicorns, the sales leaders playbook. Today we welcome Andy Sadler. Andy is the general manager and mayor at Imply, an A16Z backed startup destined for unicorn. In this episode, we discover the unique journey of a relentless sales guy who is now building the most revered sales team in technology. This is his playbook. we investigate one of the greatest success stories in the history of software sales. 33 CXOs learnt the playbook from one man, John McMahon, a legacy which stretches back to the late 90s at a company called PTC. They were later reunited at Blade Logic, which was acquired by BMC. What happened next was truly remarkable. These CXOs went on to become the most prolific sales leaders in the software industry. They've raised over 22 billion in VC funding. They contribute to 4% of software turnover globally, 26 unicorns, eight decacorns, and the companies they drive have a combined valuation of 230 billion. At Hunters and Unicorn, we're revealing their playbook. Welcome to Hunters and Unicorns. I'm Simon Kutis and I'm joined by my co-host Dolly Kune. Hey everyone. And Andy, as I said, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. Andy, can you just start off by just telling us a little bit about the mission at uh, Imply? Yeah, sure. Good morning, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. Um, it's pretty simple, right? We're, uh, we're, we're, we're trying to do everything that we've always tried to do at other software companies at this stage. Um, I typically will join this comp- a company at Imply stage when they've got um, product market fit in the US and they're looking to scale uh, and, uh, and dominate EMEA. And, and that's really what my mission is. Uh, we, we have, a, and this, I will give this one to, uh, to another leader, but we do have a, a mission about creating the most um, revered and feared go-to-market team in EMEA. Um, and I will give that one to John, but there you go. <laughs> I'm curious mm. to understand what that would look like. You know, mm. what, 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 is the, uh, what are the mechanisms <clears throat> that you're kind of looking at, Andy, to, to, to make that a possibility? Yeah, uh, when anyone's revered, they're respected. They're, whether that be revered from the customer, revered from the, your colleagues, revered from the competition. Um, people don't um, hate someone who's very successful. They, 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 they admire them. So to build a to build a company or a team which is revered is uh, is is amazing. Um, and the uh, the feared side is is we can go all the way back if you want to uh, to PTC. We we used to write our name in the in the visitors book three or four times the old book because we wanted the competition to walk in and see. PTC here, oh my God, uh, I'm in trouble, right? So we can't do that anymore, especially with COVID. So um, we have to we have to be uh, be feared due to our our, our, uh, our our amazing results, and and we know that when we're there, we're going to succeed. And also, I, I I I want with all the organizations that get involved in, I want people to say, 
oh wow he was in play so any of my team he was in play that uh, he must be brilliant well trained uh and an excellent nice job it's probably a good way to kind of go back actually earlier in your career because um you know today we are obviously talking about the 33 cxos and and the kind of whole the amazing success that this special group of individuals have obviously had and the impact they've had. And obviously, Andy, um, you know, you've come from the other side of the pond, from, from kind of the European side, from the UK side, but yet your trajectory has obviously been very, um, very similar in, in many respects. Um, but I, I do want to go right to the very beginning of your, uh, of your career. So can you just tell us a little bit about how did you actually end up you know, getting to that whole kind of PTC blade logic world. You know, tell us what happened before that. Yeah, sure. Um, I used to be a footballer, so um, uh, that was my uh, trajectory. I was a, um, I was a footballer um, professionally in England. I played ah. for uh, many different clubs. Uh, there's a couple of guys on your uh, on your list who uh, who dispute that. Doug and Dean Woolman, but. Um, <laughs> No, I, I was a footballer. My, my, my trajectory was football. I, I signed, um, I was a YTS footballer, I was a professional footballer. I, I was, I was uh, on that trajectory and then I ended up in the States um, uh, playing over there and then I came back and I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and uh, I, I, I ended up working uh, for a, uh, a company called Ose because I, I was playing semi-professional football at that time and I just didn't have a job. So... I was getting paid to play football at whatever it was, a couple hundred pounds a week at that time, and I just needed to get another job, and I ended up working for uh, a company called Ose as a uh, uh, in telesales. Um, that, that's that's how I started, and uh, I was supporting a sales guy. I'll give him a shout out. He's probably changed my life. A guy called Gary Stockton, who never went into software sales, but I was basically um, for about six months, five months, sorry, uh, selling paper. And that's, that's how I started. Just uh, And what happened was Gary left and joined a, a little software company and he rang the MD and said, look, you need to hire this kid. And, uh, and, and I came over and uh, just kind of started selling a product called AutoCAD from there. And it was, uh, it was pretty good. Oh, we've heard it that's all that. now. Uh, selling, selling knives, selling paper, <laughs> whatever's going to be next. Hey. Um, we, we, I, I went with guys at PTC who sold staircases, uh, um, wow. stair lifts, and I won't, I won't tell you who that is, but he's a very <laughs> successful guy now. Absolutely love that. And so you joined, so um, from the EDS Corporation, 1997 to 1999. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was your... there, there was a there was a little there was a little couple of companies, small resellers. So now I'm selling CAD, right? AutoCAD, mm -hmm. which was. Uh, which was kind of the 2D CAD system. And um, a friend of mine joined uh, this company called PTC. I, I didn't know who they were. I had no idea. So um, I, 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 I got recruited, not recruited, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. I made a friend with someone at PTC and then they kind of started to recruit me without me realizing I was being recruited. And uh, I ended up uh, going to meet a guy, again, uh, Great guy, uh, Phil Gripton. Phil, Phil, Phil said, you know, we want to, we want to bring you on board. So, uh, so I went through the process, and then they got headcount froze. So Phil kind of said, look, you know, 
why don't we why don't you go and join a competitor for a year so i was like cool so uh i i went and joined eds uh for a year on almost a a, a recce uh where i went and understood what ptc uh, sorry what one of their competitors did which was a product called unigraphics uh worked with some actually really cool people there and then about nine nine months later, um, Phil ran me up and said, "Right, we're we're, we're ready. We're, we've got a, an open headcount." So I was like really excited, and and so I wrote my CV, and uh, flew up to Newcastle and went and met Tom Siegel again, another great guy, and uh, I'm I'm in this uh, I'm in this hotel uh, in my suit and, and, and got my CV, and uh, I, I I think my interview was at three o'clock and. And I saw what I thought was Tom Siegel. So I kind of walked over to him and he was talking to this young guy. And I said, hey, uh, are you Tom Siegel? And he went, who are you? And I said, I'm Andy Sadler. He went, go and sit over there. So I was like, okay. So I went and sat over there. And then uh, Tom Siegel was berating this guy, obviously the sales guy. And then Tom Siegel came over to me and um, he said, uh, give me a CV. So I gave him my CV and he, and, like, he read my CV. And he, he, he reads it, he rips it in half, throws it on the floor and says, that's a pile of shit. Get out of my face. Now, I, I, I'm a friend of Tom's now on, on Facebook and, and uh, you know, but uh, I, I, picked the, uh, I picked the CV up and said to him, Tom, I, I, I understand you might think it's a piece of shit, but a manager and a regional vice president who worked for you who you've obviously hired, promoted, and think are great, actually think I'm great. So if you're saying it's a piece of shit, they must be a piece of shit. So he picks it up and says, sit down. And that's 20 wow. minutes later for me, job. So I ended up in PTC. What a great story. Brilliant. Great and, story. and so you joined PTC in 1999, is that correct? Yeah, only we're falling out, mate. You're making me sound really old, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was two thousand and nine. I do apologise. Um, which was yeah, a year after, which was a year after John McMahon had left the business because he left the business in nineteen ninety eight, right? Um, so I'm assuming that he obviously didn't have any involvement in in, in your hire or no, at look, that stage any involvement. Absolutely zero. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, um, <clears throat> at that point, um, Cranny uh, Cranny was on his way up in the states, but look. Um, PTC in 99 and 2000, we didn't care about America. We didn't mm. care about next quarter. We didn't care about anything about, the only thing we cared about was keeping our jobs. So, mm. you know, was I looking over the pond and no, I, I, I didn't give two shits, um, at all. Uh, I, I pretty much, the, 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 the environment from going from a footballer and being in the locker room to being in a in a in a PTC sales meeting was no different. Yeah, um, we'd have guys like uh, hand grenade handling John Hanlin who'd come over and you know just shout at people and mash uh, big computer screens. They were at the time, and you were just you were just afraid of losing your job, so you just kept going, right? So um, no, jo look, John's legacy and John and and definitely Jack Napoli's you know involvement and legacy was was strong. We were moving very, very, very fast, but we didn't care. I'll be honest, we didn't care about the States. So, right. no. Uh, yeah. Andy, there's a quite an interesting story about how you actually first got on PTC's radar. 
which I think is quite an interesting one, right? Because yeah. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. take it back, but actually it's, uh, I think it's an interesting story to share. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was working for a, um, a PTC reseller. Uh, uh, this is how I originally got on, on Phil's radar. Um, Phil was the sales guy at the time. Phil Gripton was the sales guy. Ho hopefully, uh, he, he'll uh, he'll watch this and remember. Yeah, so th this was obviously uh, pre-webinars, um, pre-Zoom, pre-many, many, many uh, things. And the way that PTC would um, the way that PTC would go and generate pipeline in a region is they would go and hire a, 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 a like a like a room or a, like, these weren't hotel rooms. They were more like community centers or, you know, and they would go and hire these rooms and they would put a sales guy in there and they put an SE in there and they would, they would uh, do demos and they would invite the local companies to do the demos. Now in my patch, I knew these were going on because people were talking about them and there were flyers and, 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 and stuff like this. So, Firstly, I wanted to go to these events to learn because I wanted to learn what PTC, you know, I was trying to get into this company were doing. So that was my first thought. And then my second thought was, well, I'm reselling this product and why wouldn't I let them go and do all the pipeline generation? I can then go and sell to the customers. So that was my, my, my goal. Um, so, you know, I kind of broke one of my moral codes, I guess, and went in and couldn't get in the room, but saw that book I was talking about with all the names and took the book. Um, Borrowed it. <laughs> yeah. What I'd do is I would take the book and then I would write all the names down in my book. I would then go back in, put the book there, you know, because I wasn't stealing. And then, and then I would immediately tailgate the people who came out there and try and sell them my product, which was uh, a product, a pro-engineer reseller. The, um, the funny part of that story, Simon, is um, the sales guy obviously would do these events and he would be all excited and he would probably go and have coffee or a beer with his SE and go, wow, tomorrow or the next day we're going to fold these leads up and I'd already done it. And um, yeah, so it, it, I did this three times and they were doing it in Blackburn and, and Bolton and, and, and these kind of very northern towns where... Um, industri industrialization was very compact, so it, it didn't take very long to realize that they were being cracked. And the sales guy who was working uh, on, on the patch, um, I never forget, he had a big deal at a company called BNFL, uh, which was a massive pro engineer account. Uh, I probably won't mention the sales guy now because he's a chairman of, a, of, a, uh, of an AIM listed company. Um, but uh, he, he, uh, he called me up and said, hey, Andy, can we have a meeting? I was like, yeah, sure. I thought it was about him recruiting me again because you're always being recruited by sales guys this way. So I went and met him in a company, in a, in a, uh, in a restaurant called TGI Fridays in Sale. And um, it was like eight o'clock on a Wednesday night. It was typical Manchester weather. It was raining. It was winter. So I'm waiting at this table thinking this guy's going to come in. And, and um, I was driving a little, I don't know, golf. And then all of a sudden I see this big silver Mercedes coming into the car park. So the PTC reps here with his big Mercedes. And I was like, really excited. And then he walks in, big guy, a um, bit older than me. And uh, he calls me over and says, can we go outside? And I thought, oh, wow. 
the first thing he does is he says, uh, I, I need to ask you, are you bugged? So what do you mean? He goes, you've obviously bugged my house or my car or something because I don't understand why everywhere I go, you're already there. And uh, I was like, no, 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 I, I haven't. And then he's, and then, so we, he pats me down, we go down and I tell him what I've been doing. And the, unfortunately, the PTC reseller I worked for lost their license the following day. Wow. So. <laughs> there we go. What a story. What a story, Andy. Um, so fast forwarding a couple of years, you did um, a two year, uh, a three year stint um, at another software company, which then got acquired um, and then on to Blade Logic reunited yeah. <clears throat> yeah excuse me um that other software company you're talking mm. about though, was a ptc company right okay okay so that was a jim vetter company god who's unfortunately now uh, passed away jim but that yeah. was that was another ptc company that there was a whole ptc raft who went to Accentral software yep um with um luca lazaron um uh, jeremy me dave woodcock uh, again, another PTC guy um, who who uh, who built PTC. So yeah, that was essential. And again, we um, we went into that organisation and took all of the um, processes and uh, sold it to IBM. And then played. And then played. Reunited. Third man on the ground in the UK. Yeah, played. <laughs> that was interesting. Um, it was interesting because um, when we were at PTC, we were although we were relative all, all very very young uh we were we were pretty big you know, when i joined ptc we had a probably you know two thousand sales guys but i didn't realize because i was only looking at my region which was eight sales guys in the north and then eight sales guys in the south so i always felt i'd worked for smaller companies because i repeat we uh we were always um we were only ever looking inwards uh, at, at our team and who's in our team, and then um, and then yeah, you're right. We we ended up at Blade, and it was me, uh, two other guys, uh, and 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 Duggan in uh, in a little office in um, near Heathrow, and we didn't sell anything for a long time. We, we didn't sell anything for a few months. It was uh, it was very hard. It was uh, it was a very hard, lonely place. The, uh, the the continual threat of uh, of not keeping your job was there for a long time. And why was it so challenging, Andy? We um, we didn't understand the message. So one of the one of the great things that we we, we got at PTC was was uh, command of the message. <laughs> so we, we um, and and and, it, and it's a really interesting term, command of the message, because. We always, and, and I talk about this a lot with throughout my career and a lot of things I read, <clears throat> there's a lot of army analogies because the whole thing was structured like an army. Um, you know, we, we, we um, a lot of our terminology is, you know, we, we have battle cards. We don't have competitive intel. You know, we, um, we have command of the message like you... Um, you know, you have in, in, in those types of environments. And, and, and at Blade, we, we didn't command the message early. So we were, and then when we did command the message, um, we, then, we then flew. That's right. the truth. Um, and command the message, is, is that a John Kaplan? 
Is that <laughs> we're right there, or is that a? Yeah, yeah. Look, it's 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 a it's a PTC. It's a PTC message. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. Of course, uh, you know, John and, and Grant, brilliant what they've done. Mm. Um, brilliant. Um, command of the plan, command of the message, command of the people, right? Mm. We, were, we, were, we were taught that um, as very, very, very young leaders at PTC. John's taking it to the next level. Right. So, so Andy, just, you know, thinking about, you know, being a footballer, being kind of unstructured, you know, you've given us a kind of an account where you're obviously very hungry, willing to go above and beyond, but obviously maybe lacking that kind of structure. As you're kind of transitioning through PTC and then eventually getting to Blade Logic, what kind of changes did you start to see in yourself? And kind of what did you start to pick up with your approach? And how did you adapt yourself during that time? <clears throat> um, I don't know what you mean by lack of structure, by the way, uh, but uh, because unfortunately I'm too structured uh, <laughs> okay. in, in terms of uh, of a um, of a personal playbook. Um, I, I think I understand your point, though. Um, look, um, what, one of the biggest challenges that I see across the whole. Uh, industry is a, is a lack of uh, acknowledgement of change. So even in the four years I was at PTC, the 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 the, the, the guys and I will say guys because unfortunately PTC's recruitment strategy was was unbelievably polarised. Um, if they didn't change in that four year period, they were out. And 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 when we went to Blade Logic. Um, the, the, the go-to-market playbook had to change, and it's changed in implying it had to change in, in BMC. And if you don't adapt into that change, you're, you're a dinosaur, right? So um, I think, um, you, you, you know, we, um, we, we'd get in at PTC at 6 in the morning and we'd do as many calls as we could. We'd, we'd go into an, a, a trading estate and we might do a demo in this building and then we'd literally go knock on the door at this building. We would... We would tell this guy we've got a meeting with that guy, and we try and get the two things together. We talk about, you know, we we we've got um, we're trying to piece deals together, and there was a lack of information that people couldn't have, and therefore you had the power. And part of that transition is that the, the in the information data world, all the power is with the buyer now, and and that transition happened over the period of time. So if you think about it, you know even early internet and, and so forth, you know, you, you had the power, you had a, you know, you, nobody understood really if you were five times faster than the competitor or if your price book was this or, and, and therefore you were able, you were able to use that power. If you didn't understand throughout that journey that the power shifted and they, they, and especially with social networks that they can reference you, they can reference the client, they can do all these things in the background before they even met you. And if you go into that meeting uh, now not prepared, then you, you, you're going to die. So it, throughout that journey, um, that whole change had to occur. Um, I actually don't trans transcribe to command of the people anymore because, um, you know, you guys in recruitment, right? People have a lot of choices now, and I think you have to inspire the people. And that's, that's part of a, a, a shift that happened around BMC times. Wow. It'd be really good for us because I know that that uh, 
kind of BMC was a, was a kind of an important kind of milestone in terms of you developing some of the core foundations of your own playbook, which is around kind of recruitment as a process. Would you be able to kind of tell us a little bit about how that came about and what the kind of core pillars of that are? Sure. Um, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I, I was, um, I was, I just, I just had my uh, first, first, first kid, right? So you've gone from a 20, a 25 year old at PTC who's literally living on fumes and, and you know, uh, doing whatever, whatever was needed to, you know, keep, keep going, right? Um, you know, getting, getting promoted and just moving overnight, you know, that type of, you know, just going to live in the Midlands for two weeks because you've got a deal there. So then you've got a kid, right, at, at BMC, which is, you know, starting family and stuff. And your perspective slightly changes and you start to really understand uh, what's driving um, and how to motivate and drive, um, shall we say, more mature people who aren't just thinking of each quarter. Um, and, and how you're going to do that, right? So, um, you know, part part of that is is the realization, and, and this happened at BMC that um, if we don't, or if I didn't, or we didn't think about um, how how can we, yes, recruit the right people, yes, develop the right people, and, and, and keep them in the boat, um, we're, we're going to lose. And John, you know, John talks a lot about that, right? About the impact of, of a bad hire and how long it's going to take you and, and, and so forth. But if the people you've got in the boat at the time aren't, aren't going to make it, you've, you've got to get rid of them. Right? So one of the things that we learned at BMC that I've never seen before was this concept of, um, and I will try not to swear. Okay. Uh, fat, lazy, middle-aged, typically male, um, expectant sales guys. I expect to earn because I have been doing this for so long and it's just bullshit. So, um, we, um, there's no surprise that you saw at BMC a huge turnover of existing, uh, workforce, sales force because they were just lazy so part of part of that um <clears throat> playbook was um uh, part of that recruitment as a process was understanding you know what we had to do because we'd always worked at ptc you were very hungry and they, they hired a certain type of person and as we went through we were still trying to keep that but we actually took quite a lot of the team with us i, I think i worked with um five guys for 13 years throughout that process wow um to get to um to get to bmc right so um we we we, we as a team or we as a leadership team understood what was needed when we get to bmc you start to realize that shit and um, there's people who just expect to earn x dollars by just turning up so that needed a a, a real change and um that 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 was a big uh, a big impact. So, what were those changes that you started to kind of implement? Because you know we, we know typically what the criteria was like at PTC. It was, um, but how did you adapt that? 
It's a really good question, right? So it, it's it's drilled, and you guys probably even know the criteria, right? So we had the criteria, which was intelligence, coachability, character, track record. But I, I started to break that down. And even now when I speak to my ex-PTCers, they still don't necessarily break it down into the maniacal detail I do because I started to realize the nuances of it are very, very important. And the um, if you go back to PTC, I don't care what anyone says, character was number one. We didn't really care if you couldn't add up because your RD was going to be able to add up for you. You had to run through the wall. So character. Coachability was number two because you had to listen and do what you were told. Let's just tell you how it is, right? Um, remember, we're in a command and control um, uh, environment, right? So I will command you and and do what you will do what I say type thing, right? But do what I do as I do, you know, in a in a, in a mode that you're not going to ask anyone to do anything you wouldn't do yourself, right? Then we go into uh, track record. So in PTC, we we always looked for people who had an an unbelievable track record inside or outside work. I was an ex footballer. I, I worked with other guys who were ex footballers, ex racing drivers, ex Sandhurst. Um, very rarely did you get an ex Cambridge first graduate in PTC because that guy was probably going to get beat up. Um, <laughs> so, um, no, we, 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 you know. Whether it be, you know, amazing characters, but very, very strong. <clears throat> and then the last one was intelligence, right? And I don't care what anyone says, right? That was the real criteria of PTC. Find the guy who's tough. Find the guy who's got something in his background which is going to make him be, be, be resilient and never quit. Make sure he's coachable and he can take, it, take direction. Make, make sure that he's done it before and he's got an evidence of that, he, that he can excel in something. Uh, and then make sure it can add up. Okay. When I got to BMC, that 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 you know we we were developing it over time. I never forget. I, I um, I, you know, I went to my GM at the time and said, "Look, I, I think we should flip this on its head. Fully, fully flip it on its head and go intelligence number one, track record as the last one. Um, and then we'll still go intelligence, coachability, character." can interchange those <clears throat> and then um got the backing to do that and then built a postgraduate program with um imperial college and london school of economics where um built a bridge um built a program which was an awesome program had a few people run it for me and um wrote all the content for it and then went to the business schools understood how the business school leaders were measured they're measured on second year income of their postgraduates so Great, I could tell them that I can outperform uh, Barclays, Accenture, all KPMG, Deloitte, all the people who were trying to get these postgraduates. So I got the business school leaders on my side. They were selling for me. That's champion building, and then um, and then got through that. Started to do internal advertising uh, in the business school. This is a sales campaign, right? And then in the first year, I think we had three hundred applicants. We hired ten. They went, they went on a three-month, literally in a classroom for three months at BMC. They did 65 exams in that period. And then, um, and, and then we put them in the field um, for three months. And then we promoted them to enterprise sales reps. And we did that pro I did that program for three years. Um, and some of the best, best, and I'll give a shout out to one of the, one of the guys, Eric Lightfoot now, who's a 
flying at BMC, but some of the best sales sales guys came on that program. But again, the criteria, track record, they've never sold anything before. Proving that intelligence, we could teach them this. We could teach them the playbook. Interesting. And so it's been, you know, we've been asked this quite a few times by individuals that have really bought into this series and kind of understood why you're hiring under that criteria. But how do you assess that? So what sort of qualification process will you go to to understand the intelligence, the characteristics and the coachability? Can you give us some of the questions that you may ask an individual in an interview as an example? Yeah, sure. Um, Okay. I, I, I don't mind saying because you've got to implement it, right? So um, uh, when you look at intelligence, um, okay, so intelligence is broken down into three areas, okay? We have, uh, we, have <laughs> we have two sides to our brain. We have a left side and a right side, okay? Left side logic, right side emotion, okay? The more intelligence we put in our left brain, the more uh, that that the, the more knowledge we have we use knowledge when we put under pressure okay so knowledge is our kind of go-to um uh, our go-to reaction to something when we know what it is that we're reacting with okay if we don't if we don't know what we're reacting with we're going to react with emotion emotion is fear or flight you know all the normal uh, basic emotion uh, basic emotions so if we put someone in a pressurized scenario, the um, the way they react is going to tell you very quickly whether they know what they're doing or whether it's just an emotional reaction, because the decision that they make is based on that 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 chemical reaction in their brain. Does that make sense? So yeah, completely, so, yeah. So if so, as a footballer, you train and train and train and train so that when you're doing it in front of a crowd and you're under pressure you know what you're doing so when the because you practice that in the uh, in the special forces they call that rapid intuitive rapid intuitive experience because they train their their elite soldiers everything so they'll suffocate them they'll bury them alive they'll waterboard them they'll 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 do all of these things so that when they're in the field they 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 know exactly how they're going to react okay so when we take that process into what we do, we train them, train them, train them, so that they understand how to prevent objections. They understand how how to uh, how to handle um, executive pressure, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay. So when we're interviewing, um, we have to understand the questions. Sorry, the answers that we're getting are they left or right? Okay. Why and how did they make that decision? So why? So a typical question I would ask is, you know, what what was the process you did to get to that point, whatever that point might be? If the answer is something like, my, well, my best friend worked there, that's a bit of an emotive answer, right? If they're logical and come up with the, what, what was the process they went through, they're going to apply that process in pretty much most of the other decisions they make. So it's trying to understand how they make that decision. It's going to understand how, how intelligent they are. Now, books behind me and books you know we um no one's the oracle so you've got to be continually learning and continually feeding this left side of the brain to make sure that you you understand and the best way to do that is by other people who've been through that experience um you know i i I was very influenced by and i'll give him a shout on this on this podcast 
Jonathan Farringdon, who's a very, very, very experienced sales coach, who once said to me, you learn through OPM, other people's mistakes. So that's written in books. So I've been an avid reader of, of things to try and rectify my mistakes. And also, you get rich with other people's money. And, and that's kind of uh, the two OPMs he gave me. So I think, um, you know, it's a good, good, good transition to the second, kind of your second pillar of kind of your, your, your kind of the backbone to your playbook, which is development. I know we've obviously spoken about recruitment as a process, but can you tell us a little bit about how you invest, how you nurture, once you've identified the right person, what is it then you continue to do to get them to where they need to get to? Yeah, sure. Um, I watched, you know, I watched John's podcast, right? And John's, John's spot on. And obviously I've worked in John's environment for, you know, a long time. Um, you, you don't go into, you don't go into leadership for money. Um, at PTC, you went into leadership because you were less likely to get shot, um, if I'm honest. Um, but you, you, you go into leadership to, to develop, but you have to kind of know what that means. And, you know, part of that development is understanding what mode you're in. So the four very simple four modes of, of leadership around um, tell, show, observe feedback, right? So old school stuff, right? So you, you obviously as a leader, you're going to tell people what's expected of them and what, what you want them to do, right? You have to be able to show them, you know, what, what that means. So whether that be going and running a first meeting, going and running a, a demo, going and running a deal, okay? Uh, and then you, but, but once you've done that, you've got to be able to observe them doing it. And one of the hardest things, and one of the things I, I, I teach my leaders right now, and, it, it, and always have done, which is really difficult for a, a first-line leader to do, is in that observation mode, is you sometimes got to let the sales guy or the team fail. Because if you step in, and save them, they don't really understand and they can't participate in their own rescue. So one of the challenges around around development, um, and I don't know whether you guys have got kids, is you, you've sometimes got to let your kid fall over and then tell him or her why they fall over, okay, uh, in an observe mode. So in this kind of tell, show, observe feedback, I, I, I see many inexperienced leaders jump in and and, uh, and and rescue uh, the uh, the meeting, the opportunity, whatever it might be, and that doesn't help because you can't scale that because that means you've then got a superhero first line leader. At PTC, we're all superhero first line leaders, and uh, I, I, again, at BMC, I started to build this kind of real understanding of if I'm gonna if we're gonna develop people, we've got to let them fail a little bit. Obviously, we've got to hit the number, but. So part of that development then uh, is around uh, skills identification. So when you're observing, you've got to have atomic skills that you're observing upon, upon rather, um, because you can't just say that wasn't good enough or you weren't very good. Um, going back to football, you know, there's six basic skills. If you don't understand those basic skills, then you, you're never going to make it, right? So, and if you can't, communicate those those things to the to the sales team or whoever it is you're developing they're not really going to understand it so it's got to be very simplistic 
in it's a skill therefore we can learn it therefore we can assess it therefore you can learn it therefore we can assess it and in that model of that's development development isn't just telling them go and do this go and do that so we talk about recruitment as a process because recruitment is continual and that's a skill which all of my leaders are very adept at now uh, development and development on both sides development receiving development and delivering development is is a process but they each side need to know what what side they're on so when you walk into a classroom you're the pupil the teachers at the front when you've got two alpha males one who's the one who's the rd and one who's the sales guy they're alphas or alpha females they're alphas right they have to realize what mode they're in so maybe um, the leader is in show mode. So the leader's going to run it. The sales guy's going to observe, but in observe, the sales guy's going to make notes and understand, you know, what what did they learn? Why did they learn it? What would they do different? And so forth. And if it's the role reversal, the manager's going to be in observe mode. That's a real development culture, and it's really difficult wow. to, it's really difficult to um, deploy, especially in companies when you're at an early scale, because we all have, investors and paymasters who want the who, who want success but if we're going to scale it properly we've got to be able to teach these teach these teams how to do it i was going to ask actually is there a trade-off in terms of ramp up time you know to no. allow for that no it's not because ultimately um ultimately you will get the the the, the factor of remember you, you've got one manager running six that one manager can't be in six meetings, even with Zoom. So you have to entrust the leaders and entrust the staff that they're going to learn. And if they're not going to learn, they're 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 not they're at the they're in the wrong company. That's you know I, 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 that's that's a fact. Um, if you don't like reading, then you're not going to come and work in my team. <laughs> what about listening? Audibles. <laughs> You can, uh, the, 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 the okay, the challenge is you're going to have to write notes and it's better to write notes of a physical book because mm. okay? we don't learn. We actually learn through what we take ourselves. So you and, si you and uh, Simon will read the same text and you'll both take different things. But by writing it down, you're going to understand what you really took. So it's, it's, it's an interesting concept okay? mm. why, why skills have got to be as simple as they, as simplistic as they can be so that we can, we can repeat them. And, and should I tell you what I've really liked about what you've just said, right? So BMC, you know, we've, we've gone from a, from a situation where, you know, blade logic, great success, amazing, you know, some of the most dynamic, um, sales leaders all in one place. And then you kind of, reverse takeover of BMC and yet you're still able to kind of influence each other because the things that you're talking about now Andy would have definitely had an influence on some of the others because you can see how they've now adapted their own playbooks to take you know what you're talking about and I think the, the whole story, whilst John McMahon is obviously really crucial, I think as individuals, the fact you've been able to kind of influence each other and adapt, I think that's really kind of helped to continue the perpetual evolution of you as, indi you as individuals and helped you guys reach the levels that you have. What, what do you think about that, Andy? You can't take away the feeling 
of losing to a competitor. Okay, and it's a feeling of firstly embarrassment. So we, you know, at Blade and, and, and then we brought into BMC and if you weren't embarrassed to lose to a competitor, you weren't going to stay. So irrespective of our recruitment process, right? So immediately we started to bring that competitiveness to each other. And, you know, your, your, your best competitor is an internal guy. You guys are in recruitment, right? You play off recruitment consultants against each other all the time, right? So that then creates the meritocracy where you're like, okay, I, I, I understand that, you know, even though we're all making a number, I want to make a better number than that guy over there, right? So that that makes everyone stand up a little bit straighter and, and work a little bit harder, right? So that that's probably where I would go with that, right? So the influence around, you know, some of the charisma of someone like uh, Mauro or Thibaut, um, you know, with the grit of of of, um, of 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 other guys, of course, there's an influence on each other, but ultimately. I think the the, um, the the real influence was around uh, was around the belief structure around competitors and actually focusing on that. That that's that's a big one, and and obviously that went back to P, PTC, but all the way through that is 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 that that's the real ultimate influence. If you if you want my uh, my input on that. I think, well, competition is actually one of your third pillars of your kind of playbook, right? So I don't know if you wanted to elaborate on that and, and you know, how you think that's really helped and in what ways. Yeah, sure. Um, we, um, I touched on it earlier on. We have, but we, we, a lot of our, I didn't realize at PTC at the time, but a lot of our kind of go to market is around battle cards and, uh, playbooks and, and 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 so forth and and um you know ptc i i went to work for the enemy i was behind enemy lines gathering intel and then when i came over and i don't mean bringing a database i meant bringing the 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 the, the competitive uh differentiations that we could take out of of uh, of that particular competitor and in in, in bmc sorry in um in Essential, we had Informatica. That was our big competitor. And in Blade, it was it was Opsware. And um, you know, and going through the career, so I think um, you get to a company like BMC, and they've got ninety products, and they're like they're, they're they're all over the place. You know, one of the things John did very well is is to try and narrow down where are we going to win. And, you know, that, that, that's a big, big thing. And I see that a lot in organizations where they don't really understand who their competitor is and they just try to pebble dash a market just because they want that success, but it's got to be repeatable. So, yeah, com competition is a, bit, is, is a big one because um, if you haven't got a competitor, you haven't really got a market. And uh, if you don't know how you're going to win, or, or why you're losing, I don't know how you're going to get better. So, yeah, I, I one of the th reasons I've loved being in software sales from being in football is there's no difference. You know, you're 90% you're, you're, of the game is done on a whiteboard. 10% of the game is how you play the game, and that's exactly what we do. 
90% of the game is is power-based, 90% of the game is understanding external influences, 90% of the game is understanding how you're going to competitively deposition, 90% of the game is understanding who you who your enemy's champion is and what's their what's their win and where's their weak points and if I want to go all the way back to PTC, you know, where do they live? And not, not, not to knock on their door, but where do they live from a geographical standpoint? Where does your competitor live? I'll never forget, you know, we were doing a deal at Blade and um, we, uh, we worked out that um, two things we worked out. The Opsware sales guy played tennis with the champion. Okay. We worked that out, right? We were never going to win. However, the RD lived nowhere near um, the EB. So the regional director of Opswell lived nowhere near the EB. So we start, we changed the ground rules. We, we, we went to the EB and said, hey, you know, why don't we get an executive meeting? Let's make it seven o'clock on a Monday morning. And why don't you meet the competitor, you know, after us and, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll align our executive pitches. And the EB took it. The RD didn't come. Why not? Because he lived 300 miles away. He couldn't get there for 730. <laughs> So you, you, that's that, that's that's a little bit maniacal competitive, and there's stories in PTC of of the of the sales rep in Japan moving into the block of um, the CEO of a big manufacturing company, lived there six months, didn't introduce himself until it was needed six months later, and end up with a big deal. So um, this competitive nature again, it's it's much more of a um, of 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 a, of a wider focus than just you know how how is your product better than the competitor's product? Can you teach that? You can teach the pipeline generation techniques to find that information. You can't teach the character trait. You know, if you go back to the intelligence, you can teach knowledge. You can't teach emotional intelligence. Um, you can understand coachability. You can't teach character. That's what your parents put in, or you know, uh, you, you you know, the the persistence and the determination and the and the and, and what what's the chip on the shoulder? You can't do that. That's done it. If you want to go into the real, that's emotional DNA. That's done at seven fourteen twenty one. You can't do that beyond. You're done. You know that that chip on your shoulder is already there. So to, to 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 find that motivation inside someone's character and play that and play that competitive nature that you've been outplayed by the competitor. If you get the right team, then you're on the right point, right? And that's what we try to find a lot of PTC by digging into people's backgrounds. So interesting. It's um. For me, looking again, looking back at your career, Andy, and, and, and seeing, you know, time and time again, all the way back until, as I said, early stage after PTC, um, Essential Software being acquired by IBM, Played Logic being acquired by BMC, and SignalFX being acquired by Splunk. It's clear that you've got that startup mentality. And what's also really interesting is your ability to then be able to adapt and hang around as well in for that transitional period as well into that larger organization. Um, normally you find that, as I said, the minute the, the startup world ends, as soon as the acquisition happens, it's time for me to hang my boots and move on. What, what, what is it that's enabled you to be able to fit yourselves into both of those environments? Uh, stock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the honest answer. 
uh, yeah, uh, stock. Uh, mm. um, I, okay, I, I, I guess. Um, mm. You build a team, and those guys and girls come to work for you. They don't go to work for SignalFX, or they don't go to work for Essential Software. You, mm. They go to work for you as a first-line or second-line leader. And you know, people don't leave companies; they leave leaders, right? So if you go, and, if you, you you can have the best company in the world and the and the shittiest leader, and you're gonna have a shit company. Okay, so when you build these things, and you know, we use SignalFX as an example. That was a fantastic team. But a little bit like PTC, the European team at SignalFX didn't really care about the US team. In fact, they were their competitors because that's yeah. the mentality that you embed. They want to win and they want to beat both the competitor, Datadog, and they want to they want to beat the team in New York. Okay, and that's the culture that you've created. And when you've created, nurtured, developed that culture, you can't just bail just because, you know, they're, they're, they've got families and kids and, and, and aspirations and it has to be about them, right? So um, you, you go to work for them. If you make them successful, you're going to be successful. So just because we get acquired isn't the trigger point for saying, I'm not done, see ya. Mm -hmm. um, that happens often because of change of control and, and uh, the big company wants to put their own x y and z on it they paid a billion dollars they can do what they like you know so um at that point you, you you know the the team understands that it's out of your control but ultimately um you, you know it's uh it, 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 it i can't really uh try not to be poetic here but it is a little bit like a marriage you know you're married to these this team and they that their, their needs come before yours so I'm not going to bail just because yeah. I get acquired by company X. If I get asked to leave by company X, which typically is what's going to happen because, you know, they have their own processes and, you know, it happens. Um, the team are going to understand. Typically the team will bail at that point if they don't get stuck, if they don't get held on retention. But yeah, it, it, it's, um, you know, our goal is to is to make people very, very successful, and then create huge enterprise value along the way. That's that's the goal. There is um, there is recruitment as a process. There's there's maniacal focus on personal development. There's 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 real real focus on competition. And yeah, we have the six step playbook which we've had for for years, um, the value framework. But ultimately, um, if you don't make those guys and girls successful, you haven't got a company. Sure. You know, that's, yeah. that's the... Um... <clears throat> and it must be quite hard, right? It's, it's like growing a team. It's like growing anything to walk away and, you know, to see that team that you've nurtured and you've got process in place. You've got a good team behind you. Yeah, hey. You're doing that time and time again. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, mm. Benjamin Franklin uh, Brown, that's uh, Brown, <laughs> Green, Green Packs uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, kind of tend to get given a, a, a across uh, the table to try and make that feel less. But you're absolutely right. It's not about money. It's about the thing you've built. Mm. I, I, I'd be lying if I, uh, if I didn't say I wasn't disappointed when we got acquired by Splunk. Right. I'd be lying. Absolutely lying. And, and my whole team. 
irrespective of how much cash they made, uh, my whole team was disappointed because we were re- we were really on a on a great point. Mm. And you know, you, you lose your runway uh, when that happens. Hey, the investors, that's what we're there for. We're there to build uh, enterprise value. So we did our job, right? Mm. But we, we we had a great we had a great uh, thing going in a great run, uh, and we've got mm. a great thing running a great run at Imply. It's, it's, it's a show of character there again, though, you know, to be able to do that time and time again and keep re, you know, going through that process, building that team, get the success, get the momentum, and then the acquisition happens, then it's okay, on to the next. You know, the energy, is, it, it must be just, as I said, it's just a testimonial to, to your character and uh, energy. Yeah, we, um, uh, thank you. Uh, I'll take that as a compliment. Um, it is. <laughs> the, um, you know, we went in, in Signal FX, we went from zero to in EMEA, oh, no, one guy in EMEA or two guys in EMEA when I joined to uh, 30 or 40 in um, in four months. Um, wow. And, and in Imply, we've gone from one guy in EMEA, two guys in EMEA to 26 right now, I think, in, in four months. So Incredible. Uh, look, you guys in recruitment, uh, Let's go back to recruitment as a process, right? That is ultimately any GM's job or first-line leader's job. They recruit their own team, they're over. They get, it doesn't matter whether you've got the, great, the greatest product in the world. So I, I have the utmost respect for what you guys do because ultimately that's my job for the first six months of, apart from I have to then go and develop them and then sell some software along the way, but... Um, yeah, recruitment is all that I tend to do. And uh, if you if you did go and speak to any of my first line leaders, that that they would uh, tell you we we have a forecast call on recruitment every week. Wow. That's what I mean by recruitment as a process. Mm. You know, in the same way as they might have a forecast call on um, on, on deals, we have a forecast call on recruitment. Mm. And you know, if they're not hitting their leading indicators on recruitment, then they're not going to succeed. Yeah, there's one in their leading indicators on development. They're not going to succeed. Yeah, there's one name that we haven't mentioned, which is um, you know, which is somebody that you know you've you've been working with for the last two major Signifex and and now imply Trevor Trevor Patterson. Has he been you know? Is he a big influence? Is it you know? Is it, do you work? Is it is it a case that you work really well as a team? What's the yeah dynamics Trevor, there? Uh, Travis again. Travis is PTC. Travis is Blade. Mm. Travis is Opsware. So yep. Travis is Travis left Blade Logic uh, after one year and went to Opsware. Okay, wow. so you know he's um, he he literally did do the competitive wrecking. So <laughs> John John might have opened an office and pretended with business cards. Travis actually worked there. So <laughs> wow, that's a long game. No, Travis yeah. is a great guy and. Um, uh, you, you know, the, 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 what Travis entrusted to me is I just do a meal. So, uh, we, yeah, he's, he's ultimately uh, the CRO, but uh, mm. I just do a meal, right? And he entrusted me to go and build, scale, and, and, and deliver in, in that environment, which is, which is great because um, you, you have to, if you've been through the tell, show, observe, feedback mode and, and you're all good, then you've got to entrust the team to go and do what you want them to do, right? So um, the connecting point there, though, is Cranny. Right. You know, Cranny, um, Cranny was PTC, Cranny was Opsware, 
Connie was um, uh, Signal FX, uh, and, and, and so you know that it was Connie that kind of brought me and that me and Travis together. Fantastic. So sorry, Simon, you jump in. No, with I, was, I was just going to say you're obviously doing some um, advisory roles at the moment, right? Um, and I was just thinking about the fact that the trajectory of your whole career, you have always kind of stuck within kind of being paired with people that come from that world. How difficult is it when you are working with, you know, founders or organizations that just don't get your world? You know, how do you work to actually get them aligned to, to buy into this philosophy? Or do you need them to buy into the philosophy for you to be able to kind of work with them? No, um, I don't know anyone who doesn't have a philosophy of winning. <laughs> any, any founders is a great is a, is a, is a is a really interesting uh, you know topic, and one of the things that between between uh, BMC and, um, and 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 Signal, you know, I went and joined a couple of boards in for UK uh, scale ups, um, because in my personal playbook. Um, what in the command and control model? Everyone has a role, okay, and uh, everyone has a boss, and everyone understands what's expected of them, and that scales. I've never uh, understood because I never needed to understand in my uh, in my skill set how to raise money. I've never understood what a VC is. I've never understood, you know, what 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 are the unit economics of a business because I didn't need to understand it in my role. So. When I left BMC, that was my goal. My goal was to go and sit on a board, be a CRO, go and understand what drives a business, not what drives a, 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 a kind of a revenue quota in a region. Does that that make sense? So, yeah, yeah. In, in so that was my transition to understand what is it about our playbook or my playbook that is relevant to the boardroom and relevant to the VCs and relevant to the stakeholders and how what is the 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 language and how do you manage up because ultimately you know uh, one of the great skills of any sales organization or manager first second third is the ability to manage up so what is and and, and that skill transcends into uh, into an organization when you're selling uh, selling up in an organization so how do you get above your technical champion how do you get into the c-suite what language are you using so my my reasons for doing my move into a series uh, in fact it was seed series and we uh, no series a the first one uh, was to understand that understand what actually do they want to hear what language do they talk you know what, what and so forth so that experience and and and, and so forth uh, really taught me that what we are doing at the playbook is very, 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 very relevant, but there is a slight nuance on the language. Y you know, there is obviously um, the uh, the real focus, not just on ARR, but on, on, on net retention and gross retention. And what does that really mean? And, and, and so forth. Uh, and and what, does, what is the real impact of productivity at, at the board? And, and how do you scale that from a board standpoint and, and take that backwards? So that experience, which I did for about four or five years, five years, I think, I did A and then I did Seed, um, and then kind of packed that knowledge and then went back and went, went to work for an A16Z company. Uh, 
gave me, I guess, the confidence uh, and the exposure to then go and do the work you're referring to. Uh, and, and that, uh, and you know, John's got this in buckets, obviously, <laughs> much more than I do, but that ability to take that down and take that up and transcend that message, transcend that message is, is very powerful. Because most founders, remember, they've got an amazing idea, they've got, they're either a fantastic technologist or they've got, they're a great marketeer, and they don't really understand how they're going to get that to market. And, and again, I spoke earlier on about adapting, you know, adapting from just having an enterprise sales team to having a flywheel model and an open source model or a, a you know, a, a, um, a freemium model. You know, I've adapted, I've had to adapt over time, right? Uh, because B2B enterprise sales teams are absolutely needed at a certain point in time, but that may not be right for that particular organization at, at, at that moment. And uh, that's been an, 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 you've had to, I've had to adapt as well to that theory and, and process and understand how to do that. Incredible. Yeah. Question that would, is always an interesting one to ask is that if we were to speak to any of your employees, how would they describe you as a, as a manager, as a, as a person and a person and as a manager? Uh, focused. Right. Um, because, because in my life and professional career, everything has been, which is why I picked up an assignment at the start of this, has been around a structure. Everybody understands where they sit and where they are, right? So, like, I don't mean where they are organizationally. I meant where they are in terms of development and, 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 um, one of the kind of evolutions, I think most of the people who went through PTC understand this. We were in a fear culture at PTC. Fear, mm. nothing else, fear. Fearful of losing our job, fearful of, of not closing the deal. Fearful. It was a fear culture. And the problem, an opportunity of a fear culture is number one, it weeds out the people who can't handle the pressure. But also, it means they um, they're fearful of, of 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 coming up with ideas. Okay, they tend to look down and just do their job. Okay, so one of the things I try to change in in the culture of my leadership style and my leaders is to is to is to have an expectation culture, not a fear culture, but an expectation culture which is built on a foundation of it's okay to fail as long as you know why you failed. Okay. Now, having that safety enables people to go, hey, I, I, I don't really understand how to do this. Could you help me? Yeah. Now, at PTC, you get shot for that question. Right. Okay? You should know the answer to the question because we taught you that on New Hire. You're, I need to speak to your manager. <laughs> uh, so that that environment is, is, is key. And, you know, a lot of the... Uh, People you, you're speaking to in this in this uh, podcast understand that and create mm -hmm. environments which which have a, a, a have safety built into them as well. Okay, so it's okay to fail as long as you know why you're failing and you're brave enough to say, "Hey, I need help." Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, so that 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 therefore leads to, I hope, what people would say is that um, I have conviction in what I say. And deliver, and, and therefore have their development interests at heart. Hundred percent. That that that's, I think, what they would say.
I think it's really clear from everything that you in, in the way in which you've spoken about all the answers and what we've talked about is that you show a tremendous amount of care you care about people you care about the success and you know that's that shows and I think it's a it's, it's a lovely you know point especially when you reflect it back into you know bringing up children you know that ability to be able to see them make that mistake see them fall over but be there to observe and rescue at the right time and i think that is just okay that sounded very poetic right Listen. <laughs> i'm not a very poetic person so i'm going to take that as a compliment <laughs> All right, oh, yeah. still be, like take people out into the car park and shoot them in the back of the head <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, real, right? so, um, yeah. Uh, but that is less and less and less okay so uh and, and typically if you've recruited right that's not going to happen mm. okay so that's why it's recruitment as a process if you've recruited wrong you end up in the situation where you're in the you're in the a bad situation with a guy right or a girl so mm. um if you've recruited right and, and 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 that's been a mutual recruitment process where they've they've qualified you and you've qualified them properly you shouldn't be in that scenario okay so i i i, I like the poetic ending uh, the, the statement you made then mm. but it's still very high that's, intense yeah. you need to be high expectation mm. sales right it's not it's not uh i i do understand people have a private life and they want to you know and, and and that shouldn't come at the forfeit of their job right mm. that, that is probably changed over time that i agree with but the expectation that we're still going to win, that hasn't changed. Mm. That hasn't changed one bit. So uh, one of the questions that we always try to uh, ask on this show also is just tell us a little bit about the, uh, you know, some downtime. Do you, do you, obviously you must work hard, um, but do you, do you get some Andy time as well? Is there, you know, is, what, what do you do in your spare time? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I, I've got two kids, right? So uh, uh, that, you're a taxi driver. <laughs> I, you're not wrong. My, uh, my, my, I've never pressurized my kids to do anything because I, I was pressurized to be a footballer. But my son wants to be a footballer now, so he's actually uh, he's uh, he's he's uh, uh, playing for Charlton Athletic Football Club right now. So um, wow, yeah. So he he's a young boy. He's only four, uh, thirteen. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I tried not to, but yeah, now I'm in that zone. I mean, I, you know, now he, he wants to do it. He's going to do it properly and, and he's, and he's doing well. So, um, that's part of it. Uh, and, uh, I've started to get fit because, uh, the problem is you ignore yourself and then so I've started to get fit, which uh, has been an interesting exercise, but look, I, I, I'd be really interested to the answer to the rest of my uh, my cohort on this podcast, what they say. There isn't a lot of downtime. I, I, when you've got a family and you're building something, if you've got downtime, there's something not working out. So uh, there isn't a lot of downtime. Apart from Mauro, he rides cars. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, Somehow he manages to do the NASCAR and enter into I, I don't know about that. I, I, can't, I can't see it. I'm sure Tebow's got loads of downtime right now. <laughs> yeah so I, I i i don't know i i cycle i i, I work out i i i th there isn't a lot of downtime you know uh especially now without the 
um, traveling. When we travel, we get a better downtime because we're in a hotel and we can, you know, we have some time there, right? But right now, there's zero downtime because of because uh, of COVID. Because we are literally back to back, and especially in a company at our scale, our scale and size, right? We are right on the point of, as you pointed out before, I've done it a few times, and we're right in the point of uh, inflection right now. So we are deep in personal development to work out command of the message. Wow. Brilliant. We've got to get that right. We've got to get it right. So, so I think, oh, go on, Simon. The, I was the, the say, fi- final, yeah, the final question. Um, so we, we always ask this question, Andy, um, does, the, does the hunter make the unicorn, um, in your opinion, as in does the salesperson and the sales leadership make the billion-dollar valuation company? Is it possible? Uh, the buyer makes the unicorn, okay? But to get to the unicorn valuation, and I, I'm obviously I'm not allowed to tell you what the signal effects multiplier was, right? But it was very, very, very high. Therefore, it comes back to comp- competition. Okay, if you've if you've got a competitor and you're absolutely smashing the the livelihood out of that competitor, and 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 accelerating at an amazing speed, that's going to attract attention, which creates a market, which creates a billion dollars. To do that, you've got to have an amazing uh, go-to-market motion, which you've referred to in B2B sales, right? So let's work back from what we're trying to do, right? So yes, this is absolutely what's going to drive it, but that market, if you're in the wrong market, you're never going to get a billion-dollar valuation, okay? So that's about the intelligence to pick the right market. Um, If there's no competitor and you're you're not hammering the competitor, then you're probably not in the right market. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's a long answer to yes, but. Yeah, no, perfect. So um, as, a, as a kind of a closing statement to summarize what we've heard today, right? I think uh, when we interviewed John McMahon, one of the things that he said to us was be a student of the game. Yeah. Okay. That was one of his big, big mantras. And, you know, one of his closing statements was be a student of the game. And I think when we look at you, Andy, where you kind of came from, you know, playing professional uh, football, playing professional soccer, as you did, um, you know, making your way through the ranks, it's evident that the reason why you've been able to evolve the way that you have is because you wanted to study the game and you mentioned the acronym OPM, you know, learn from other people's mistakes um, and you've been able to adapt um, and at no point did you ever kind of dwell in the comfort of knowing everything. You've always had a thirst to kind of improve and I think that really underpins the three pillars of your playbook which are, you know, recruitment as a process, Um, invest in development, um, but don't do it how it's always been done. Always find the new ways, always evolve, always bring, you know, new ideas to to ensure that you can adapt and be relevant to where you need to be to be able to ultimately beat your competition. And to beat your competition, you need to know your competition, you need to study your competition. And I think, um, you know, I, I think that's a it, it's definitely been a uh, a fantastic um, you know interview today. We've really really enjoyed having you on the show. Um, Want to say kind of a really big thank you for you taking the time to speak with us. Um, and I'm sure our listeners have taken and our viewers have taken a lot from today. So, want to say a, a really big thank you. 
Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you so much, Andy. Really appreciate your time, mate. Yes, thanks, Ollie.